0: It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the
1: Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a Monday, November 26th, after that long four-day weekend Back to a regular work grind. The LA Galaxy back in the news. We have a bunch of stuff to get to. Mr. Kevin Baxter back in the house as well. So uh, a lot of things. LA Galaxy alumni news. uh, Some Zlatan Ibrahimovic talk, of course, because we can't get through an episode without talking about him. The LA Galaxy going through their option declines and option accepts. So we're going to talk about those a little bit as well. Uh, What the current roster looks like. And a whole bunch of really fun details in there as well that I think you're going to enjoy a packed Show for a Monday night. But before we get too far, let's check in with my fearless co host over here, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy?
2: Yeah, you know what? We're a month into the offseason, the Galaxy offseason. There's other teams still playing, but we're a month into the Galaxy offseason. And man, there is, like you said, there's a ton of news. The contract options, the deadline to either pick them up or decline them was today. And the Galaxy now have set their roster at 16, but not every player uh, that uh, had their roster declined is leaving. And uh, not every player that had their contract option picked up will be staying. Um, One of those that we don't know if he's coming or going is uh, Zlatan. That's right. We'll talk about that. also, we're going to talk about some potential changes to the MLS playoff format again. That, that's seem- that's a good one. Change though. all the
1: time. Yeah, that's a good one. though. I kind of this is going to be good. We'll get into it, but I really like the uh, that whole idea behind what they're trying to do. At least we'll, well see how it is an actual theory.
2: <laughs> surprisingly enough, uh, I'm going to disagree with you. Oh, no, no surprise. Bit. Yes, but but the thing I re- I really want to talk to you about is you mentioned a four day weekend. Who got a four day weekend? I did not get a four day weekend. In fact, I didn't get a weekend at all on Sunday. I was at the Charger game, covering oh, yes. the Charger game. And I and uh, since I always get accused of being too negative on the Galaxy, and mainly I get accused of that by the Galaxy, I will start this show with words of praise for the people at the StubHub Center and at AEG. Um, I don't n- remember the exact quote, but when if you remember when the Chargers decided they were going to play at StubHub Center, uh, there was a real hue and cry about the damage it would do to the field. And you know what, look what happened in Azteca, and the NFL game couldn't be played there because the way the field was, ke- was kept up or not kept up, as the case may be. You look at what happened with the Tottenham game this weekend it, at Wembley, played on a field that was just used by the NFL that was all torn up and was not a good field. Um, so step-up center, the field has done has held up surprisingly well. And one of the things that AEG said at the beginning of this whole process is that after every NFL game, I believe they said this, as something to this effect, after NFL games, the field would be taken out and replaced. They laid out a new field after every NFL game. And I think all of us said, no, you're not going to do that. That's way too costly. That's way too, too difficult to do. Why bother with that? Well, as I said, I covered the Charger game last night. As usual, I was one of the last people out of the press box, so I was there quite late. And as I left... The field was being torn up the uh, between the hash marks from goal line to goal line was all dirt. And there were tractors out there tearing the field up and the Galaxy aren't playing anymore. So uh, apparently they are. That's how they're maintaining the field. They really are replacing the field after NFL games. That's awesome. And I think it explains why Azteca is horrible and and Wembley was terrible. And. The StubHub Center field, from what I've seen and heard, seems to be holding up really well to yep. having two tenants, an NFL team and a, and a soccer team, plus all the other stuff they're doing there. Yeah, so it, it's not. Congratulations, kudos to the Galaxy for doing that.
1: I, I was going to say it's not. It's not completely unheard of that you see teams rip up between the hash lines. Um, NFL teams and lay down new grass because really the center of the field is what gets completely torn up. I I, I know personally that you and I have talked about how the how the field is definitely impacted for Galaxy games I mean there's players out there who tell me the same it may look like it's perfect and pristine but there's a lot of stuff out there that's being covered so it's not a perfect transition but yeah I mean replacing the grass on a regular basis is a, is a good thing and uh, I think obviously you can't replace the whole field every single time because uh, the grass would never have a chance to take root but uh, as it goes right now uh, it seems like StubHub Center has done, I would say, a, a remarkable job, Kevin, of whenever there are two tenants and there are games being played on both sides that you're seeing, you know, a, a relatively good looking field day in, day out throughout the Galaxy season. And so any impact that was one of the major concerns whenever, like you said, the Chargers came in to StubHub Center has been pretty much, uh, you know, alleviated, at least gone to the wayside for the most part. It would be interesting to see what would be happening if the Galaxy was were still in the playoffs. Um, yeah, well,
2: they would have had they would have had a playoff game yesterday. They probably would have had to play that on Saturday. But I've been around other stadiums that had two tenants, and in, in Florida, Pro Player Stadium had the Marlins and Dolphins, and they would play you uh, know you know at the same time in September. And uh, Marlins outfielders told me that the grass there were no there was no grass in the outfield. It was all pretty much at that point. It was sand, and they just painted it green so that it looked good on TV and looked good from the stands. But there wasn't really any grass there, so. You know the galaxy seem to be doing the best they can to to make this thing work, and I just want because we're going to be we're going to be hard on them and the rest of the program, right? So let's start out with. Uh with a little bit uh, a bouquet before you get to the brick bats.
1: Yeah, it'll be uh it'll be it might be a little bumpy ride. I don't know. There's some there's some good things, there's some bad things. There's a, there's a bunch of things in between there. So I'll, I'll give it to you Kevin. You get to choose any topic you really want to start with. Uh, you're not allowed to start with the option declines though. So okay. that's Okay. <laughs> I'll
2: take National Monuments for 100, please. <laughs> national Monuments for
1: 100. <laughs> All right. Um how about we go to um, I think the Zlatan contract information is still... Yeah,
2: he's a national monument.
1: He is, obviously. Uh, Interna-
2: international monument for he,
1: 100. He's an important guy. I mean, here it is. L- you... Uh... I, I won't say you, I'm going to put my, myself in this in the in the firing range here. I have been saying now, and, and through sources that I've been able to talk to, that the LA Galaxy uh, are still where Zlatan Ibrahimovic currently is is staying, um, at least for now, and, and I think we've been pretty clear on that, and that any reports that have come out of AC Milan are one premature, and I'll use premature in, in the fact that eventually they could end up being right, but eventually end up being right does not mean that you're right now, and that does not mean you get to claim that. Um, so so any reports that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is going to AC Milan from the sources I've talked to, they've said they're, they're not accurate. Now, Kevin, you and I both believe that there's smoke there, um, that there's probably even a little bit of fire burning there, and that if the Galaxy dropped the ball, that AC Milan seems like the perfect place for Zlatan Ibrahimovic to end up... Um, with that being said, we know that Ibrahimovic has a contract in 2019 with the L.A. Galaxy. So any reports that you see from AC Milan that don't directly indicate that the Galaxy still own his contract through 2019 aren't exactly doing a great job. And and it's just I'm, I'm just c- telling everybody to be cautious a little bit. At least that's what what I see there.
2: Well, it's funny because you have been uh, at the forefront of this saying, you know, that that nothing's happened yet. And Zlatan was very forceful when he spoke to us on Election Day and said, uh, but he did leave himself some wiggle room. He said, if I am with the Galaxy, if I'm with a club and right now I'm with the Galaxy, I do not go out on loan. I'm loyal to that club. Uh, I think only about that club. And and he continued to insist as while I'm with that club, I think that gave him the wiggle room that if – Something didn't work out with the galaxy, and remember, he has not actually promised he'll be back for next year. He's again giving himself that little bit of a wiggle room. I do believe there are some contractual issues that he and the galaxy are trying to work out. One of them may be a designated player spot, but in any case, having said all that, um, the people in Italy are totally have totally bought the uh, the you know, uh, drank the Kool Aid on this thing, they believe he's coming just in the time you're talking. I I Googled it, and and, uh, Daily Mail in England has Zlatan and AC Milan are close to a six-month loan agreement. ESPN FC has LA Galaxy talking to AC Milan. Um, It's everywhere. There's a paper in Italy that actually did an entire front page uh, story about this, saying that the deal was done. Uh, And there's one Italian reporter that I speak to on almost a daily basis who has been breathless about this, and he keeps asking me, what are you hearing? We hear he's coming. We hear he's coming. Today- uh, when I woke up, my message from Italy was, it looks like the agent, Zlatan's agent, it looks like he is just trying to drive uh, a better deal with the Galaxy. He's trying to use this to 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 get more money out of the Galaxy. This is something that happens, as you know, Josh, happens fairly frequently in right. Europe, where agents will plant rumors to try to get the team they really want to go to to up their offer a little bit. So there seems to be a lot of gamesmanship um, Zlatan made it pretty clear that he was not going to go to Italy if he had a deal with the Galaxy. If he didn't have a deal with the Galaxy, he's free to go wherever he wants. As I said on last week's show, I really believe that there is a an agreement between Zlatan and the Galaxy that when he came last year with no DP spots, he would sign for $1.5 million. He proved himself. I believe the deal now is the Galaxy are not bound legally, but in more of a handshake agreement to try to create some sort of a DP spot, some salary wiggle room to pay Zlatan what he's worth this year. And I think that's where they are. I think Zlatan's waiting for that to happen. He's waiting for the front office hires, which still haven't happened. We still don't have a coach. We do not have a director of soccer operations. I think Zlatan is waiting for all that to happen before he says, I'm definitely coming back. In the meantime, these uh, Milan rumors will continue. And I, I think the ball is in the Galaxy's court. Until the Galaxy say, look, we can't work this out with Zlatan, um, I think Zlatan is still here. But in the meantime, you're going to continue to hear these these rumors in Europe, just because Zlatan, it behooves him to sort of make sure he has a place to go if things don't work out in Carson.
1: Yeah, and the other important part about this is the Galaxy having that 2019 contract for Zlatan Ibrahimovic means that if they wanted to uh, if Zlatan wanted to leave, that either AC Milan would have to pay a transfer fee to the other Galaxy or the Galaxy would release Zlatan Ibrahimovic from his contract. Either of those things are, are highly possible if Zlatan wants out. Um, even though the Galaxy could play hardball here and, and really sort of force either Zlatan to play or force uh, you know Milan uh, into a transfer fee, I don't think either of those happen. If the Galaxy dropped the ball here, they'd release Zlatan and it would probably be on a free transfer and all those fun things. So, But those are all if Things happen, and they're not that they have already happened, and any rumors that you see that, one, say, my favorite one, Kevin, which is that Zlatan is out of contract at the end of 2018, which isn't true, um, or that say that Zlatan is on a tell me the function of a six-month loan, Kevin, if— The if if Zlatan said he wouldn't go on loan and why would a six month loan work for the Galaxy? Are they going to get paid an extreme amount of money to be able to have
2: Zlatan Ibrahimovic on loan? None of it really makes sense. No, because he misses the first third of the season. And I did talk to MLS about what we talked about last week with if you remember when Nigel de Jong was here, he had a a, a contract that said we're going to pay you this much for your first season. If you play in 23 games, then you automatically become a DP and you come back the next two seasons for this amount of money. Um, and uh, so it was very incentive-laden contract. MLS does contracts like that occasionally. They're not common, but they do have those kind of contracts. And what a league official told me is the Galaxy and Zlatan may have a contract, maybe a two-year deal, uh, as we've been told, but you know, if both sides agree, they can tear that up. They can tear that up and either say, we're starting over again. Now I'm a DP. Here's how much money I got. They can tear it up and say, you're free to go. I mean, the Galaxy can do that. It might not be the wisest thing, but they can do that, or- you know, as I as I surmised last week, they could look at it and say, you had such a great season last year, you're signed for 1.5 million for next year. We're gonna start over again and give you a DP contract. And my my hunch is that there's some sort of a handshake agreement uh, in that way that if Salatan comes back, he needs to get quite a bit more money. And he's he's being a good guy, he's given the galaxy time to work this out. And the first moves of the offseason just happened today, and we'll get into how that could affect this. Um, But that's why I'm saying some guys who had their options picked up or who are under contract, as Roman Alessandrini are, may not be back. He may be the guy that has to go to create room for Zlatan if, in fact, that's what the Galaxy wants to do.
1: You, you just send shivers down there. Every time I say it, I know there are people who get physically angry with us for saying that, but you and I, it's not that we've heard anything. It's just when you're looking at the options and putting the pieces together, one of the tradable assets the LA Galaxy have in order to free up a designated player spot really is Ramon Alessandrini. Um, now, the first option is always going to be to rid themselves of Giovanni Dos Santos, and I think that will be a key for this offseason for whoever ends up being the general manager and whoever ends up being the head coach is is to get themselves uh, out from under the contract of Giovanni Del Santos. But having said that, um, you know, Roman Alessandrini is another viable option there. But here's here's something that I think of, Kevin, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic that I don't know that people are seeing it that way, and maybe I want to twist it, but if you're an LA Galaxy supporter, you have to be the biggest fan ever of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, because not only did he score 22 goals and had 10 assists, not only did he almost lead the Galaxy to a playoff a playoff position single-handedly, or at least with, uh, with a large amount of support coming from his general direction, um, but this is a guy now who's basically holding the la galaxy hostage saying you need to clean up your organization you need to put something competitive together you need to give me a designated player spot and if you do all those things then i'll come back he really is sort of the one guy who has more power than anybody else within the organization to be able to force these things to happen and he seems to be using his weight and his power to be able to force those changes at least
2: and I think that's I think that's a good thing. And by the way, the date you need to worry about, everybody, actually, the four hours you need to worry about are between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. Pacific time on Sunday, December ninth. That is the half-day trade window, and so that would be the time when uh, this stuff with Alison Dreading we've been talking about, uh, you know, could happen. Or uh, once again, you could be totally wrong. Um, but when you talk about what Zelatans doing, I, I mean, I, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that probably he had a lot to do with the firing of Ziggy. Um, and you know Dominic being promoted to coach at least on an interim basis. If Dominic comes back as head coach, I think Zlatan probably would have something to do with that as well. But I, I think what he's doing is just basically saying, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to finish my career on a team that is not trying to win. And you know some other guys may buy the window dressing. You may be able to to fool Bradford Jamison with some of these moves you're making. But you know I've been around the block a couple times, and it's not going to work the way you guys have this team currently set up and the way this front office is set up and he's uh if all this if we're reading these tea leaves correctly he's again as you said trying to force some changes and i think that's all for the good i think galaxy Plan of uh, fans should applaud that now the galaxy front office may not, not like the way he's going about it but i think he has the right idea in mind and i think he's forcing the gal he's basically telling the galaxy if you guys aren't serious i'm not wasting my time i'll go to milan or somewhere else where where they really are trying to win.
1: Well, let's uh, let's dive into this uh, option exercise deadline that has since passed. Uh, we warned you last week that the LA Galaxy were bumping up against the first uh, roster-building off-season deadline of this 2018 off-season, 2018-2019 off-season. Um, it is the option exercise deadline. This is basically saying that uh, clubs must notify the league office in writing of, one, players whose options they are exercising, and or, two, players who are receiving bona fide offers announced by the teams. All roster decisions will be publicized by the individual clubs. Now, Kevin, the LA Galaxy, uh, again, when clubs announce it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to meet that 10 a.m. Pacific time deadline. It was a 1 p.m. Eastern time deadline. Uh, But what it does is that it gives an idea of when fans could expect an announcement from those clubs. And for the most part, uh, outside of Seattle, who I think did it earlier in the week, for the most part, all the teams have sort of announced their their, uh, their option exercises and their option declines on these teams um, on their players and, and everything that's come down, all except for uh, maybe a handful. I know that we have uh, Orlando City got a special waiver from the league uh, to not have to make an announcement after they uh, I guess unexpectedly fired their general manager, something they could have done almost any time uh, during this yeah, their
2: season's been over from, since like July. I mean, they could have done that a long time ago
1: It is really, really interesting and all. it also seems like maybe there's some other clubs, Kevin, as well
2: you, well, you know who plays for Orlando, right? Who?
1: Oh, uh, who's that? Dom Dwyer. Dom Dwyer. That you, no, I'm pretty sure he still plays with. Sporting I thought Kansas it was City. Kansas City.
2: Yeah. I'm, again, more, more. God, I, I'm just in a loving mood today, aren't I? More kudos for the Galaxy. They announced their their moves ten minutes before um, the the MLS deadline to do so. As you said, Seattle did it a week ago. Uh, Columbus did it several hours after the deadline, but still on Monday. LAFC, like Orlando, still hasn't done it yet. And again, they have to file this information with the club, with the league, rather. So all this is known. You know, if, Unless the team's got an extension like Orlando did, and we don't know that LAFC did that, the decisions have been made. Now, if you want to tell me that we can't reach a player in Latin America, we can't meet or you reach a player in Europe to, to let him know, and we don't want him to find out on Twitter, okay, I get it. I don't understand why there would be any other delays in this and again the galaxy beat the deadline they announced it earlier a lot of teams are ho- are keeping that information close to the vest and you know, let's just pretend like we're not media right now you know it's not I'm not talking about the LA times or corner of the galaxy knowing that this is fans need to know this i mean they want to sell season tickets and they won't tell the fans who the players are Uh, That's kind of a big thing. If you're thinking about buying season tickets, are you the fan of a team? You want to know who your players are.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's a a big deal. It is, and, you know, we got messages starting early this morning asking us when when the lists were going to come out, and so it was one of those things. We said whenever the Galaxy announced it, we'll be able to do it, and the Galaxy did announce it. Uh, In total, the LA Galaxy declined eight players. Uh, They picked up the options on four players. So when we're talking about options and option declines, uh, the standard MLS contract, and let's start with sort of the standard and, you know, the we'll we'll break off from there. But the standard MLS contract basically is for one year and then one year option. So it's a two-year deal, but the second it's year is a club option is a, Yeah, yeah it's a club option. Absolutely. It's not a player option.
2: It, yeah, the club can say, You're out of here and uh, or the club can say, Yeah, I know you've got better offers somewhere, but we're we're exercising our option. You can't go anywhere.
1: Right. And all of that is laid out by the contract. So if you had a contract for 2018 that says it's going to pay you $100,000 and your contract for 2019 says it's going to pay you $150,000, if you're the Galaxy, you can look at that and say, well, we liked paying you $100,000 and we don't want to pay you $150,000, so we're going to decline your option. Um, it does not mean that you will go away, never once, never be on the LA Galaxy again. Now, for some of these names, and we'll give you the complete list of names and the total roster and where everybody sort of sits right now, for some of these names, um, it's it's sort of an interesting little take on these things, um, you know, and some of these names are not going to be back. Kevin, we're, we're fairly certain of that, but, whenever, but some of them may, some of them, absolutely. Some of them may. So uh, the LA galaxy declined and really it's about declining options more than it is picking up the options, but the LA galaxy declined to eight players. Uh, Ashley Cole, Michael Ciani, Rolf Felcher, uh, Baju, Husidic, Shannon Williams, uh, Ari Lasseter, Brian Silvestri and Servando Carrasco. That is eight players for a total of uh, two million sixty two thousand four hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. Is that four hundred ninety nine dollars? I guess
2: so. Just over two million dollars. But, but we know. I mean, let's. We know that they're talking to. At least one for sure. Maybe, maybe maybe as many as two or three of those players on that list. Yeah, uh, that they would like to have them back, but they want them back under new ter- new contract terms.
1: Well, it, it's so and and the ones that they they optioned in. So these are players who had an option for 2019, and the Galaxy decided that was a good deal, and we want to exercise that option, and you're going to remain a Galaxy player in 2019. The options in were Sebastian Legette, uh They were Daniel Steris. It was Bradford Jamison fourth, and it was Justin Baumstig, backup goalkeeper. So those were the option ins, and that now makes a total of 16 players on the roster. So as it stands right now, there are 16 players on the roster. I'll give you the names. Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, Roman Alessandrini, Zlatan Ibrahimović, uh, Jorgen Shelvik, Ola Kamara, Perry Kitchen, David Bingham, Sebastian Leget, Joao Pedro, Yes, that's Joel Pedro, uh, Daniel Steris, uh Tomas Hilliard Arce, uh, Hugo Ariano, Bradford the IV, Efren Alvarez, and Justin Von Stieg. So there you go. You have all of your 16 players. Now, that does leave three players, Kevin, who are out of contracts. So these are guys whose contracts expired in 2018. They don't have a contract for 2019. Um, outside of Chris Pontius, none of them are eligible for free agency. So whenever you look at it, uh, Chris Pontius is one of the ones out of contract. Emmanuel Boltang is out of contract. Contract and Dave Romney is out of contract as well. These are all three players the Galaxy have apparently, as according to the press release, have already started negotiations on for their 2019 contracts. I expect. Kevin looking at the three out of contract players that all three of them will return to the LA Galaxy just off the top of my head when I'm sort of figuring where they play and where the LA Galaxy needs some bodies Um, so it wouldn't surprise me that you know Dave Romney gets a raise uh, that Emmanuel Boateng probably stays about where he's at uh, in terms of his uh, financial number and that Chris Pontius could come down a little bit um, just in terms of his age so you look at all those things so it's likely the LA Galaxy will have 19 players on their roster Kevin which is a huge departure from last year when I think they jettisoned in 13 players um, and didn't have a whole bunch in terms of uh, what else was coming back uh, on that roster. So it's been a busy day in terms of all those things that have happened. But even with the 16 players, there's still $15 million of salary uh, committed to those 16 players at 2018 valuation and not 2019. So 2019, we expect it to go up a little bit.
2: About 40% of that money going to Geo, by the way. But when you, again, when you look at, so the, it, this is just a, a procedural thing. The Galaxy can continue to negotiate with players who uh, had their options declined. They can trade players who have their options picked up, um, you know, or that are signed. They can, again, continue negotiating with, with Dave Romney and others. When you look at the, the roster as it's currently constituted, you have only four defenders uh, the two of them are, are Hugh Ariano and, and Thomas Hilliard Arce. So, when you look at the players that they declined, I don't think Ashley Cole will be asked back. He's going to be 38 next month. But there are some other defenders on there. When you look at uh, uh, Williams, perhaps, or especially uh, Ralph Felcher, those may be guys they want to bring back. Uh, one of the guys whose contract option was declined, Bajo Husidic, who was the last person who was in uniform. For the Galaxy's last World uh, MLS Cup championship in 2014, he was the last player that was uh, among the 18 that dressed for that game. His contract was declined. That might be somebody that the Galaxy might want to talk to, just from the experience perspective. It's as you and I were talking earlier today. It's really helpful to have somebody in the dressing room that's been there and done that, and can help players, you know, through that. And I know you have Salatan in that, and you have other players uh, with experience, but. MLS is a different animal, and uh, you know, with some of the two lake playoffs that they've had, and you know, that may be going away. But two lake playoffs and and a playoff system. Remember, Slapton's never been through that in Champions League, yes, but not in in a league format. He's never been through that. So a guy like Bajio could be helpful. Another thing to keep in mind: you talk about money, um, and uh, what teams, what issues, and 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 information teams have to um, bear in mind when they make these decisions. The one that jumped out to me is the team kept. Hugo Ariano and they let uh, Ari Lasseter go, or at least didn't pick up his option. They maybe still be talking to him. And I I found that interesting because I think Ari Lasseter has shown a real skill set, a real unique skill set, extremely fast. Uh, You know, he's had some game changing. Uh, appearances when he's come in late in games, would seem to be k- kind of a guy that you might want to keep around. Where Hugo Ariano's played four games in his MLS career. What, what's the difference? Well, one is one's a defender and one's a forward, where you're kind of deep at forward already. And then the other thing I think the big one is age. Hugo's 20, uh, Lasseter's 25. So, uh, you know, one's a prospect and one's kind of getting into middle age in soccer terms a little bit. And so maybe the Galaxy decided that it was time to move on from Ari Lasseter. Let him go try his luck somewhere else.
1: Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you another difference, too, is that Hugo Ariano is a homegrown player, so his salary doesn't count against the cap up to $150,000, I believe. And so he uh, that, that would be one reason that you keep him because he has little impact on your uh, on your overall cap, whereas Ari Lasseter is not a homegrown player, although he's been with the LA Galaxy for a while. Um, and so that's another sort of issue that, that comes about that, uh, just looking at those, those players and where you can put it. I'll say this, that the LA Galaxy, cleared, I believe, uh, they have six Uh, international slots right now, and they cleared three of them. Now, granted, I think they only have eight slots, and that's why Joel Pedro was loaned out. So if Pedro continues to be on loan, then that will be five international slots the LA Galaxy have, and able to bring in three more players. But basically, with Ashley Cole, Michael Ciani, and Rolf Felcher, off that they have cleared uh, three international slots. Now, I'll tell you, one of those guys that we think is probably a guy who could be back on this roster is Rolf Felcher. Um, If you look at how some of the contracts have been Uh, have been structured recently with the LA Galaxy, especially some international players. There usually includes a bump in that second year, and perhaps because Felcher missed half of the season, the Galaxy did not want to put up with uh, giving him a bump in that second year, and hypothetically, if all that goes uh, to plan, they decline his option, and then they renegotiate with him. I think if anybody has a a good chance of being back on this LA Galaxy roster, it's Rolf Felcher, because Kevin, I think he was serviceable. Uh, He wasn't great, but you also only saw him for half the season, and I thought that While he was in there, he certainly was, you know, uh, a a good part of the defense. And you saw what happened when the Galaxy didn't have him. That doesn't mean that he's great, um, but if the Galaxy can find value there in his contract in 2019, I wouldn't be opposed to him coming back at all. In fact, he was the one big question mark I had on all of these option declines because on my list, Kevin, I had Rolf Felcher as coming back next year. Um, It just made sense, and it seemed likely that his contract would probably be put in place to do that. I mean, you're talking about other guys. And why, you know, I, I've been getting questions this whole time too, Kevin, is, is why didn't they get rid of Giovanni Dos Santos? Well, he doesn't have an option for 2019, so they, they he has a contract for 2019. He'll be back regardless. Same with Jorgen Shelvick and, and why you, the Galaxy didn't rid themselves of him at a million dollars and sort of saw where they said he's going to be back next year as well because he has a contract for next year. Perry Kitchen falls into that as well. So the Galaxy have, and, and you and I, Kevin, have talked about this, the Galaxy have some decisions to make and probably have some salary cap issues they're going to have to sort of keep in mind as they look forward to the 2019 season. But Felcher was a big surprise. I know there's lots of people who are saying, Ashley Cole was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise. And in fact, you and I, Kevin, have been telling people for the last two or three months that you better see Ashley Cole before he disappears um, because at the end of the season, it's likely to be his last. The Galaxy handed that it. Cole came out and almost said it um, many, many times. And I just don't see see him uh, returning back. And and quite honestly, if the Galaxy would have extended the contract offer or extend or picked up his option in 2019... Um, I would be critical of that move at 38 years old. And, and it's always better to get rid of somebody a year earlier than a year later um, than they're, you're supposed to. And, and with Ashley Cole, despite the fact that I think he's probably – Uh, was hard done by the LA galaxy. Kevin many, many times in terms of one, his salary and two, he came to win championships and he was, uh, uh, unfortunately on the field for a, a great number of losses over his LA galaxy career. Uh, the galaxy didn't do him any favors and, and it looks likely that he'll depart the galaxy and, uh, and never return, unfortunately.
2: Well, when you talk about Felcher, again, it's a, it's a position of need. They really need defenders. They need experienced defenders. Two years ago, they tried the young defender thing did not work out. Um, those contract talks could be interesting because if, in fact, it's a money thing, he he made 270 last year. That is about four times what Dave Romney made and twice what Daniel Steris made. Um, so you can make the argument that he's overpaid. You could also make the argument that perhaps he didn't he didn't uh, uh, you know play up to that salary level. That that there's a little bit more in the tank. Um, uh, so it'd be interesting to see. Are they going to ask him for a little bit of a discount? Are they going to try to just keep the price there? If they do that. Um, what does Dave Romney say? You know, here's a guy who made seventy-four thousand last year, um, and uh, Ralph Felcher made two seventy. Does does Romney know that? First of all, I mean, I, I, he knows it now, but he doesn't know what kind of contract Ralph may not get for next year. Do the players use that against each other? Because certainly, you would have to think. Um, by any objective measure, that Dave Romney is more valuable and should be paid more than Rolf Felcher. So, But I think the Galaxy are, are continuing negotiations with Rolf because it's a position of need. It's, some, it's a place where they need some depth, they need some experience depth, and maybe they have to pay him a little bit more than they might like to to get him to come back.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things that you you really have to keep an eye on. By the way, I wanted to go, uh, you were talking about Baggio Hucidich was the last LA Galaxy player to suit up in an MLS Cup game and be available for that game, and that was in 2014. Uh, And I know we've talked about it before, the other player who was on that team just did not suit up in that game, I believe he was actually away with the US uh, young team, the US under 20s, um, you know, playing at that particular time was Bradford Jameson, he was the other name. Um, But you and I have talked now, when you go back to Bruce Arena coming in, Kevin, and and the experience that he brought in. In 2009, he had a team that, <clears throat> excuse me, that made it to you know an MLS Cup final. Uh, in 2010, they win the Supporters Shield. Uh, in 2011 they go and they win an MLS cup. So you had guys who had been to an MLS Cup final in 2009 spanning the 2009, 2010 to 2011. Uh, then you had a 2011- 2012 run where you had back to back. so you had guys on both of those teams that were able to span the 2013 year and then end up at 2014 and then you had guys on the 2014 team who lasted you know up until now. So you have for since 2009 had guys who knew what it was like to win or play in an MLS Cup final, you know since the galaxy since 2009 which is you talked about it, it's a huge advantage and just the ability to understand the mls playoffs and everything else that's sort of in between and what it takes to win an MLS Cup or takes to get to an MLS Cup final all those things are knowledge based and as a team you grow so Bruce Arena always keeping that core sort of the same rotating players here and there it was always sort of like a Swiss Army knife he was able to pull out you know different tools and and make things work but there was still always that shared experience you're seeing the end of it really I mean uh, you know Baggio Hucidich could make his way back to the LA Galaxy again it could be a contract negotiation tactic all those things make some sense you could see how the Galaxy could possibly do that. But when you look at it, the shared experience and the shared knowledge that the core of this LA Galaxy team has, Kevin, is missing the playoffs in the last two years. That's what this team is really known about. Now, in order to change that, it really takes a change in in, in almost complete uh, philosophy. And so understanding that now is is a difficult thing, and it's something that you have to build into the roster as you go forward. Now, there's guys with plenty of experience, but again... Um, sort of seeing the end of that era uh, if Baggio Hosedich doesn't return, um, you know that's that's an, in, another interesting sort of take on on the LA Galaxy and, and, and sort of where they're at.
2: Well, you just hit on you just hit on a topic we haven't talked about yet, I and mean, when you talked about building the roster and Bruce Arena. The people building the roster, um, the, the front office, this is the same group that built the team the last two years, the team that lost the franchise record 30 games in consecutive seasons, the team, the teams that did not get to the playoffs for two years. Um, you know, Chris Klein with as team president, Jovan Karowski on the scouting side. Uh, Dominic Kinnear is now uh, – there is no head coach, so he's is sort of the interim coach, and I assume he's participating in some of these discussions. But Chris Klein told us three, three weeks ago on Election Day when they fired – Pete Vienas, that he was looking to hire a director of soccer operations, our general manager, um, and and that he would let that person name the new coach, select the new coach, name the new coach, handle all the roster decisions. Basically, it it was kind of mind boggling. Basically, Chris Klein was saying, I'm the team president, but I'm going to wash my hands of all decisions uh, regarding the soccer side of operations. Um I'm going to let this new person do it and I'm not sure if it was an admission that things had not been done right the last two seasons certainly you get, there's argument for to be made for that or whether I'm tired of being criticized for all these decisions so I'm I'm the buck does no longer buck no longer stops here the new guy is going to be responsible for all this stuff regardless of what he was thinking the new guy is not hired there is no new coach there is no general manager The player personnel decisions on these contract options and everything else that's going on right now are being made by the same people that made the decision since Bruce left and got the Galaxy into this mess in the first place. Um, When they fired Ziggy back in September, the Galaxy said that they were doing that with an eye toward next year, that they were in September with five games left, six games left in the season. They were beginning to work toward next year already. Well, it's three months later, still no permanent coach, Still no general manager or head of soccer operations, which was also sort of what Ziggy was supposed to be doing. Um, it's f- hard to imagine that the team is actually further along now than they were when they let Ziggy go uh, back in September.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's sort of, and we talk about intern. We talked. Uh, after that Election Day uh, media availability, we talked about, uh, you know, Chris Klein saying that he had an internal timeline, uh, and I think the quote was, you know, that he wasn't basically going to re- release that to the media because he didn't want us to criticize them if they, they didn't meet it, if things went a little ran, ran a little bit long, or they didn't really want us to know their plan. So maybe it was in the Galaxy's, I'll play devil adv- devil's advocate for a second, Kevin. Maybe it was, maybe the Galaxy's internal timeline says that, uh, you know, that they're fine right now, that this isn't a big deal, and that really their internal timeline is to have somebody by January 1st I mean that seems ridiculous it seems out it seems dangerous um, and uh, you know trying to get a general manager in and then again there's there's two separate processes here general manager and then a head coach and both of those things need to happen and I would imagine that the general manager just doesn't show up with a head coach in his pocket um, that you have to do some sort of coaching search and things like that need to happen but at the same time um, you know, it's something that, that that's going to take time, so, you know, thinking that the LA Galaxy are probably already past their internal timeline of when they wanted to put somebody, I will say this, that yes, you were right. Um, and I'm in 100% agreement with you that the majority of the guys making the decisions here, and if Dominic Kinnear is in there, if Kurt Schmidt is in there, and I would imagine that uh, probably both have some input into this, um, at least I feel like there's some adults in the room keeping, keeping an eye on everything, um, but at the same time, who has the real power here, and what's Dominic Kinnear's motivation? I think he's the greatest guy. I really love Dominic Kinnear. I, would, I wouldn't I would be horribly disappointed if Dominic Kinnear came back for another season, Kevin, uh, mostly because he's fun to cover, and he's honest, and he gives us, you know, good quotes, and I think he did a good job with the Galaxy down the stretch. Um, Whether or not he could replicate that starting next year under a different general manager is something you could question. But, I mean, what would motivate Dominic Kinnear if he's not given a head coaching job? Uh, If he's not given, uh, you know, if he's already been told that he's not going to be the next head coach, what motivation does he have to make the proper decisions for the Galaxy long term? And you know, as good of it and, and as uh, as ethical as he is, I mean, how much of your heart could really be in that if that was you or if that was me, Kevin, and I'm no longer working for your company? You told me I'm going to be fired here in just a couple of weeks, but you want me to make decisions for your columns in the LA
2: Times. Well, one of the things, too, you talked about, well, what if they waited till January 1st? What's the big deal? What's the rush? I think to, and, and you talk about a general manager that, that may or may not arrive with a coach in his pocket there's there's two things there one is if you wait till january 1st the roster is pretty much set i mean yeah there's still some moves you can make but the roster is pretty much set what if you bring in a gm who decides to hire a a coach who plays a particular way everyone has their style you know bob bradley very much plays that barcelona style the short passing game um there's other coaches that the galaxy have talked to Um, who like to play a very uh, high-pressure box-to-box type system, a system that a guy like an Alessandrini is not going to fit into. As great a player as he may be, there are certain things that that, uh, he is not good at. And so – he would be a guy that would not fit into that system. So you when you're putting the roster together, you have to know what kind of system you're playing. And if you don't have a coach, you really don't know what kind of system that coach likes to play. And we see this all the time in Europe. Whenever there's a, a managerial change in Europe, a guy will come into a roster and players who've been play, who've started every game, played every minute, all of a sudden they're on the bench. You saw that uh, you know with Mourinho when he came into Manchester United and suddenly Schweinsteiger didn't play anymore and there were other players there that wound up on the bench. In MLS, you don't have the roster freedom or the money to do that. You can't bring in the designated player or a high-priced player like, for instance, a Ralph Felcher, and say this guy's in our plans. And then have a new manager come in and say, no, he's not in our plans at all. I'm not going to play this guy. He doesn't fit my style at all. I think that's the danger here. That if uh, if the longer you wait, um, you know, the less time you have to adjust to the to the philosophy of your of your manager and your general manager. Right. And I think that's kind of the game the Galaxy are playing here now. We don't know. We're not in in on those meetings. Who knows? They may have already made a decision on a manager. They know exactly what kind of style he wants to play. They let him go on a month-long cruise, and he's checking in every few days and says, "How the contracts, you know, how the contracts talks going with Dave Romney? I really want him on my team." Maybe that's happening. If it is, it's happening below the radar because we don't know anything about it. Um, But it is a dangerous game to play when you don't have. Uh, a committed manager and general manager at the start of the off season, which happened today. That's when it started.
1: Well, uh, we know the LA Galaxy, or at least we're assuming. I'll, I'll let you say we know. Um, but I feel like we know. We know that the LA Galaxy uh, offered a contract to uh, to Dennis DeClose, who we've talked about in previous podcasts. Um, is that Is that fair to say we know or are we assuming?
2: Well, I have been told by someone that very close to the talks that he was offered a contract. I was told he was offered a contract the day it was a, that Pete's firing was announced. Um, that has not been confirmed by the Galaxy. That's what I was told the day that that happened. Um, the next day, apparently, uh, contract negotiations blo- broke down. I believe that because Chris Klein seemed, as you have mentioned too, Chris Klein seemed very uh, confident that it was only a, a, a brief time before he would be able to announce his new director of soccer operations, general manager. I know they've used both titles, and I'm not really sure what the difference is, but a new head of soccer personnel, he seemed very confident that was going to be announced at any minute. So I do believe the timeline that the job offer was made Tuesday, uh, and then contract talks broke down Wednesday. Now, you wouldn't fire Pete Vienas unless you knew who was going to replace him. We've talked about that on the show before, that before you can fire a coach, you got to know who you're going to hire. So I do believe that it would have, uh, that if the Galaxy were wise, they would have had an idea who they were going to hire uh, before they did that. Now, so I have this one person who is very close to that, who was monitoring it, was told by a player that the close had been offered the job. Um, Then I actually talked to Dennis and his response to me when I asked him when he might be making the decision or was he coming, his response to me was, I first have to get my head around some things at the Mexican Federation I've been working there since 2011, and we'll need a couple of weeks to see where we stand. Nowhere does he say I haven't been offered a job. He's this is conjecture about when he might accept the job if he will accept the job. So that, to me, also lends credence to the fact that that he was offered the job. Uh, The Galaxy have to shudder when they realize when they read that quote saying, "I will need a couple of weeks to see where we stand." Remember, the national team, the senior national team, has no more games. They're done for the year. The, the some of the age group teams are still playing, but the U20s are done. I think the U17s are, are done now, too. So there's not a lot of work for him to do. He's essentially just cleaning out. If he's coming to the galaxy, he's a gen, essentially just cleaning out his office at this point. If I'm the galaxy, I'm saying get hire a maid, get down here. We need you right now.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting. And then there was also some speculation that uh, perhaps uh, he would be coming with, as I said, a coach in his pocket, Kevin. We talked, uh, what, I guess, Hercu- Hercules Gomez on his podcast. Um, um, was talking about uh, to close and uh, and who who did he say Kevin who who could he possibly say uh, would be joining him here
2: Miguel Herrera former coach of the Mexican national team
1: yeah a guy by the way who got fired for punching a reporter right
2: well I'm going to take his side in this uh, he was it was at the airport in Philadelphia it was after Miguel Herrera had just led the Mexican team to the Gold Cup championship uh, a couple of years ago he had uh, led them through the World Cup uh, into the round of sixteen where they always go anyways. Uh, you or i could probably get mexico to the round of 16 but in brazil did a good job coaching down there um and and this one reporter from a mexican uh, media outlet obviously um just basically verbally attacked uh, from what the reports I've heard, basically verbally attacked miguel herrera brought up his mentioned his family followed him to the security line uh and continued haranguing him and finally miguel herrera who would ask him to be quiet uh publicly turned around and punched him. And I, I, my, I gathered the punch wasn't exactly, uh, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali against Sonny Liston, that it wasn't that uh, uh, violent an act, but it was enough to get him fired uh, basically on the spot. He was fired, I think, the next day or, the, or day after when he got back to Mexico. But is a very experienced coach. In addition to the Mexican national team, uh, he's uh, managed about a half dozen teams in the Mexican league, Uh, has had some success, has had some failures, uh, didn't do well in Tijuana, I think, in 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 one of his last postings uh, was at Club America, managed some big clubs, certainly knows how to handle big clubs, would do well from that aspect with the Galaxy. Um, And if he hasn't, uh, you know... uh, uh, What's the word? You have, if he has chemistry with the close and and the close has confidence in him, I think that would be a good pairing. In fact, that might be the best kind of a pairing when you think about it, bringing in a general manager or a soccer operations person with his own head coach. They're going to have a similar philosophy. They're going to have a good working style. Um, and it, it might be the perfect solution in the Galaxy situation to sort of cut the front office out of some of these moves. It hasn't worked the other way. They, they've tried to do it where they've tried to make all these group decisions. Just have a, a strong man come in with his own coach and and let them run the show. But again, if you're going to do that now, the roster's already set. They've already signed 16 players for next season.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of those, and you look at them, there's, there's there are some of those, there were no choices to be made. I mean, That's true. This, this is the Galaxy, you know, sort of lying in their own bed that they made last year uh, under Siggy Schmidt. So you look at how they've sort of restructured the team, and that means there's not a lot. Remember how there was no flexibility in the summer window? Uh, Because the LA Galaxy basically had contracts tied up and everybody was where there's you're basically in that same position now um, outside of the fact that you're moving uh, Michael Ciani um, and Ashley Cole. And by the way, Ciani is an interesting one. If we can go back to the options just for a second. Uh, Michael Ciani was not listed, Kevin, under out of contract. Uh, he was listed under option decline, which means that the LA Galaxy, uh, whenever they signed a contract with Michael Ciani, actually had him for another season. There was a club option for 2019 on Michael Ciani. So uh, all of the reports of 18 months that we had given you uh, were probably very accurate once they saw that, C- once Ciani started playing, uh, that there was no way in uh, H-E-Double Hockey Sticks, Kevin. H-E-Double Hockey Sticks. No way in hell that they were ever going to offer uh, you know Michael Ciani that... That that extension, that another year, twenty nineteen extension, and so I just thought that was one of the interesting things that pops up in uh, in these little uh, releases of information. We're always clawing, Kevin. I feel like for like little bits and pieces of contract, new, excuse me, contract news and MLS information, and whenever it comes, you sort of have to grab it and say, okay, there it was, We're, we we made it.
2: Well, here's another interesting thing about Miguel Herrera: is um, my recollection, and I'm sure someone's going to pull up stats that prove me wrong, but my recollection is that he played pretty well. Uh, Or Rather, Giovanni Dos Santos played very well for Miguel Herrera when he was coach, that uh, whether it was the playing style, whether it was, uh, you know, Gio was motivated at the time, which we know has always been an issue, whatever it was, he seemed to get the best out of Gio and and something that other coaches, especially in MLS, have not been able to do. So that could, you know, factor into this thinking here, too. Um, Gio is the guy we can't get rid of. Um, You know, he's the highest paid, paid player. Uh, with the exception of Zlatan, I think I would go to the mat on this. He's the, definitely the most talented player. I mean, just physically, just sheer talent. Um, only Zlatan's better than him. It's just a matter of getting that out of him. If, if they think that that Miguel Herrera with Dennis De Close might be the guy that would be able to solve this $6 million riddle, um, that might make it a good decision as well. And, and again, we don't know that Miguel Herrera is coming. This is all just kind of speculation. But you can see where some of the pieces might fit together.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it can I know that sort of sends shockwaves again through we we've just told we told them earlier that uh, Ramon Alessandrini uh, could be a guy who could leave and then we just told them that Giovanni Del Santos could stay. Um, between those two things, Kevin, you may have to walk some Galaxy fans back and off the ledge uh, <laughs> after after we say those things. All right. Uh let's see. I want to get to the en- uh, to the new playoff schedule and I think that's a good place to end. Um, but
2: Aww,
1: yeah, it's, uh, no, cause I'm going to throw in another topic in between, but we want to go to LA galaxy alumni news because there's been some oh, stuff. Yes. I yeah, know. This is some good stuff. There's been some stuff that has been popping up that we do definitely need to talk about. Uh, one of those things is L.A. Galaxy al- alumnus uh, Greg Burhalter who's certainly been in the news a bunch, uh, obviously the technical director at Columbus Crew, looks likely to take the U.S. men's national team job, but there was a tweet that came out from Dwayne Rollins, who covers soccer uh, north of the border in Canada most of the time, uh, but he was talking about uh, how there was a low rumble, that uh, Greg Berhalter, it was now equally likely to end up with the L.A. Galaxy as he was with the U.S men's national team. I think we're still leaning towards and expect that Greg Burhalter will be named the U.S men's national team uh, manager here whenever it, uh, it comes out, whenever they finally make that announcement, hopefully soon so that way everybody can stop speculating and the LA. Galaxy can be moved off the list of places that Greg Burhalter uh, could show
2: up. I've been told by people close to Greg Berhalter uh, that have been asked to advise him on this that he's simply just finishing the paperwork now and and it could be named any minute. The team is out of the playoffs. Uh, the U.S. national team is done for the year, so now would be a good time to do that. I, I do want to throw in the possibility, and I, I'm just this is just me guessing. You know, Tab Ramos has done such a great job with the U-20s. They won the Concacaf Championship again this year with Alex Mendez, former Galaxy Academy player, leading the way and winning the golden ball as a player of the tournament. Uh, I'm wondering if if his stock rose a little bit late and with the U.S. having such a young team now, you know, Christian Pulisic's not even old enough to drink yet, uh, with them having such a young team, a guy like Tab Ramos who's had so much success with young players, I'm wondering if he's getting a longer look and whether Greg Burhalter could then fall to the galaxy. I don't anticipate that, but I just think it's an interesting possibility.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Tab Ramos, by the way, uh, recently linked to FC Dallas as Oscar Pereja looks like he's headed to, over to Jolos in uh, Tijuana, so uh, maybe Tab Ramos Almost goes to FC Dallas. Maybe he goes to US. Nah, I, I think right now maybe he
2: comes to the Galaxy.
1: Maybe he comes to the Galaxy. Of course, that makes sense. Too. That would be a great, a great hire. It, it which almost makes it impossible to happen, doesn't it? It just feels that way. All right. Anyway, so that's the first uh, little alumni news, and boy, do we have a whole bunch as well, but we'll start with the good stuff and end with the bad stuff. Uh, Robbie Keane lands an assistant job with the Irish national team. Uh, which I- is
2: bad for anyone on the Irish national team. <laughs> our,
1: our Irish national team manager Mick McCarthy says that Keane proposed the idea. Uh, he'll join uh, the number one assistant there, Terry uh, Connor, as assistant coaches, and uh, McCarthy says that Keen will be driving up and down the country to watch players and report back. So I think that's a great step for Robbie Keen, who has wanted to be a coach, um, who has been putting in the time and effort, and even when he was with the Galaxy, uh, to to get his coaching badges and to get those credentials worked up. And now he has landed a, an assistant role job there with the Irish national team. Ask
2: ask some formerly young players in the Galaxy, people like uh, Jesse's artists about about how helpful uh, Robbie is and his coaching technique on the field, <laughs> there might be a reason to worry a little bit in Ireland. No,
1: he's listen again. He's one of those guys. He may not have been beloved by the players, but they all respected the man and they understood what he. It's like it's like anybody can sort of get away with that. People said Landon Donovan wasn't the nicest guy, and that Landon Donovan and Robbie Keane didn't get along on the field. But you know what? They thrived on the field in terms of you know their personalities. Don't 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 buy into Kevin's negativity about <laughs> Robbie Keane. Keeno's like Keno's Keen a legend. Uh, he'll remain that way. And for going to the Irish national team, listen, you know what happens to assistant coaches, right? Kevin, whenever the whenever the main guy gets fired, the, the assistant they coach get the motor, gets to take yeah. over. Yeah, that's right. So that's how it works.
2: Well, and he's a, you know, he's the soccer equivalent of a gym rat. He told me a long time ago that when he's done playing, he's going to be going down to the park every Saturday with a ball and looking for some, some friends to play with. This uh, I'm sure this has got to be his dream job and the, the dream transition that he wanted. I'm just not sure he has the bedside manner for a guy who you know you find a player who's not as good as Robbie Keane and Robbie's going to wonder why he can't do it like he did and that's sometimes a very difficult transition for great players to make.
1: Yeah, that's the Jack Nicholas effect. I always call it you know Jack Nicholas when he designs a golf course thinks that everybody plays like Jack Nicholas. That's there you go. If that wasn't a, an obscure enough little uh, little reference there, I don't know what it was.
2: Well, he let's invite Mr. Jack Nicholas out to play our next mini golf tournament see just how good he is. See
1: how good Jack Nicholas is. That's a good idea. Um, all right, let's get to the bad parts of the LA Galaxy alumni news. Uh, if you weren't paying attention on Instagram, well, you may maybe you should have, maybe you shouldn't have. It was one of those things that you probably couldn't look away from, maybe like a car crash on the other side of the freeway. Uh, Jermaine Jones was tweeting, was not tweeting, but was Instagramming Instagram stories and, and posts uh, very publicly about his wife's affair. Uh, And it looks like those two have split now, um, and he had lots of fun things to say. Uh, so if you're into that type of gossip I suggest that you go to Jermaine Jones and you can search it on Twitter because people were retweeting it and all that types of things but anyway it was very public he made it very public I wouldn't have commented on it if he hadn't himself made it public so that's out there now um, and was at least for a moment there uh, rather interesting uh, for for a couple minutes Uh, the other guy who is in the bad part of the uh, LA Galaxy alumni news is Yella Van Dam as Yella Van Dam was accused of stalking his ex-wife for the past three years and yes that does include time when he was with the la galaxy um that's with elke kleischer's that's the sis, uh, sister of tennis star kim kleischer um and uh she has accused van Dam of stalking her for the past three years um and of course van Dam is currently back at royal antwerp and is expected to have to uh go to the uh local authorities there and turn himself in pretty soon but a, a bunch of really bad things there kevin he would apparently sit outside uh, her house in his car, and and like t- and text her and, and like uh, bother her. So it just if all of these things are true, which it certainly seems like it's leaning that way, uh, a bit of a monster uh, he has been or has become. Um, whenever you look at that, which sort of puts a little bit of a black eye on his time here with the LA Galaxy, but just uh, a more LA Galaxy alumni news at least to pass along.
2: Well, and and you know, remember he kind of forced the Galaxy to let him go back to Belgium. He wanted to be with his family, wanted to be around his family, and I wonder. Uh, obviously we knew some of that was going on then. I wonder if that figured into that, whether uh, the galaxy were aware that that this situation existed and made them more receptive to his, uh, you know, wishes to go back. Um, It it may have played a a part in in that whole move. And, you know, he was not really focused his last season here. The first year here, he was a great captain and and a fantastic player. You could tell. In fact, Chris Klein told me that from the very beginning, his second season, from, from preseason training camp, he just wasn't there mentally. And maybe this all had, had a part of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I certainly think it played a huge part in it, especially with the rapid uh, movement of him wanting to go back as well. So, uh, you know, all all bad things. I mean, none of that is is really fun. The, the Berhalter news and the Robbie Keane stuff is, of course, fun. But, um, you know, seeing the other side of that is bad. All right. Let's head now to the playoff schedule and the "quote unquote" new schedule uh, for the new regular season as well. Uh, as you know, uh, the uh, there there had been a rumor that had been floated out and around. I'll give you just some basics of it. Kevin and I can sort of talk about it here and and break it down. But uh, the current regular season, Kevin, runs from March to October. Uh, we know this. That means that the playoffs are in November. Uh, that means that they play through the international break, which is super annoying because any momentum that you had built up goes away with the international break and the team teams are now just getting back to uh, MLS uh, Cup playoffs, and you know you're getting the the first legs are, are complete. Now you have the second legs coming up, and that means that the MLS Cup will be pushed all the way to December. And if it's in a place like Sporting Kansas City, where it is, uh, it it can be snowing, or New York, where it can be snowing. I think it's snowing right now. Yeah, it very well could be all over the Midwest. Um, so all those places, it brings in more weather, and so the momentum thing is probably the bigger issue than the weather, um, just in terms of how that goes. But it looks like MLS is set to. Switch up um, their regular season. It's still a, a, a start in March. Um, from what I understand but eventually could possibly push that into February with some of the teams coming in from warmer climates like Nashville and Miami um, so you'll be able to move the the early season games away from the northernmost teams and put them into sunny places like Southern California uh, and Miami and and Nashville and and some of those other in Houston and, and places like that where you can uh, you can get away with playing that so they're looking at that that being a possibility but it would go from March to October with the decision day or the very last day of the season, Kevin, possibly in 2019 being pushed up as far as October
0: 6th.
2: That's right. October 6th. And the reason that's important is, is oh, and the other big thing about this, by the way, that if you don't like the MLS playoff format, just stick around. It'll change. I think this is the third or fourth change um, they've made in the last three or four seasons. And the, the way the playoff structure will change is right now they have a knockout round uh, game, as you know, two knockout round games in each conference, that is a one-off game. And then the conference semifinals and conference finals are two-leg playoffs. And then you go to the MLS Cup final, which is one game. The, now the playoffs will all be one one and done. So it's a single elimination. It's just one game. There is no two-leg um, uh, playoffs. The idea is the playoffs, the season will end on, on October 6th. This is driven all by the, the MLS schedule, which conflicts with the FIFA international dates. So the season ends on October 6th. Teams go off or players can go off to the FIFA international break. The The league pauses for that. Then they're going to squeeze all the playoffs into a month because they want it to be done before the second uh, and final uh, FIFA international break of the fall, which is in early to mid November. So they want the playoffs done by then. They want to try to squeeze them all in to that month between the FIFA international breaks. That's great because, you know, by definition, if you're a good team, you have good players. And if you have good players, those players are probably on their respective national teams. So you can't play the playoffs. It's ridiculous even to play regular season games, but you can't play the playoffs during a FIFA international break. That's not fair to the good teams. So that's good. What I don't like about it is two things. One is, as Bruce Arena always used to say, um, the soccer is the sport that is the most susceptible to uh, upsets. You know, you uh, a really bad team can play a great defensive game, can park the bus, and can win in in, in extra time, or can win on a ball that deflects uh, off the goalpost and goes in, and they win one to nothing. So. By that definition, you're going to have a team that can win the supporter shield and go out in the first round because it's single elimination, or first playoff game uh, because it's single elimination. I think it it leads to the possibility of more upsets, which may not necessarily be fair to a team that's been good for six or seven months to lose uh, a, on a fluke goal in the playoffs. The other thing I don't like about it is you have a, a very real possibility that a low-seeded team, or sixth or seventh-seeded team, and we need to mention that too, Yes, the playoff field is probably going to expand to seven teams even before the league expands to 28, meaning more than half the teams then will get into the playoffs. If they expand to seven teams next year with 24 teams in the playoffs, 14 of the 24 teams make the postseason. Let's see the Galaxy not make it then. But my point is, if you're the seventh or sixth or seventh-seeded team, you're not guaranteed a home game at all. In fact, you could go all the way to the MLS Cup final and not play a, a postseason game at home. Uh, with the two-leg playoffs – Every team that would make it to the MLS Cup would be guaranteed at least two home games during the postseason. I like that a lot better. Fans that pay for their tickets, pay for the season tickets, support the team. They deserve to see them play a home game during the playoffs. And with this one and done format, a lot of teams will never play at home in the postseason, even if they go all the way to MLS Cup.
1: Yeah, that, that, and again, I'll point out, Kevin's saying that in 2019, it's likely they're going to add a seventh team to each conference, which would mean 14 of 24 teams in 2019 would make the playoff, 14 of 26 in 2020, and then whenever they get along to to adding their 28th, uh, their their last two teams in 28, uh, then it would be 14 of 28. So there's your 50% that goes. I'll tell you why I like this. One is I don't like the international break at the end that kills the momentum in the playoffs, and two is I feel right now that the higher seeds are not being re- re- recorded, or, or, or rewarded, I should say. Um, either one. Yeah, yeah, either one of those. Um, and, and really, when you look at it, just look at what happened with, uh, you know, New York Red Bulls and Atlanta United. Um, you and, and this could be fixed by 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 allowing the higher-seeded team to pick whether they wanted to play first or second for that home, for that first leg, if you were playing a two-legged game. But if you're looking at it, look what happened to Atlanta. Atlanta goes in uh, to their home in front of however God many people there, 60, 70,000 people there, whatever it ended up being. Um, and they absolutely trounce New York Red Bulls in the first leg, 3-0. Now, you could say that Atlanta's the better team, which they probably are, uh, but New York Red Bulls had the higher seed. Um, And with that higher seed now, they're almost destined to not be able to beat Atlanta. They're not coming back from 3-0. And you could say, we'll play better, but here's the thing, if the regular season is going to mean something, which by going single elimination games, Kevin, and, uh, and and sort of bringing back the number of total playoff games and the number of home games that you're going to have, if you're a better team, you're going to get more home games. I mean, we talk about uh, the chance that there's going to be nobody, uh, that somebody from the seventh seed won't have a, a home game. Well, if you're a number one seed, you're playing all your games at home. Um, until you make it all the way through, so I mean that's an advantage to those teams. So you have guys like New York Red Bulls who you know supporter shield winners. Um, they're going to be rewarded for winning that supporter shield, so making that that uh, that regular season more important. But there's there's a bunch of other things that are in here as well. If let's pretend you're a player like the LA Galaxy who didn't make. Uh, who didn't make the playoffs, Kevin? If with this new format, uh, being everything's pushed up, but the start of the season remains the same, you can you can have as much as five months off between the end of the regular season and the beginning of the uh, the next regular season. So that's a huge amount of time, and we know that they're going to push for more midweek games if they condense this schedule down in order to make it. Yeah,
2: pl- yeah it's two two extra midweek games per team, which actually really makes your point that this the schedule is going to be moved back. To February because that is just too long if, if you're eliminated on October 6th and you don't play a re- a, a regular season game till March that's simply too long I, the plan right now is add two midweek games for every team and that's how you make the schedule short you, you get 34 games into a month shorter season but you're right they're gonna you're absolutely right they're gonna Eventually move the start of the season back to February and use some of those uh, warm weather sites to start the season there.
1: Which, which makes sense, and you can do it. And I'll tell you this: that in terms of TV viewership, the TV partners are actually in favor of the more of more midweek games because Kevin, it's one of the biggest arguments you and I have all the time is that if you want a stadium to be full, especially someplace at StubHub Center, you play it on Saturday night. We know that that's that's the play the time you can play that you're guaranteed basically to have a sellout game um, on Saturday night. If you go to a midweek game, we know that the uh, the attendance is a lot less, especially in Los Angeles, with the amount of traffic that goes on on Wednesdays and Thursday nights. Certainly, that's an issue, but. For the TV partners like ESPN and Fox, um, there's actually a higher rated games are being played midweek, so adding two midweek games is perfect for the national televised games, because they'll be able to televise those, and I'll be honest, I'm more likely to watch a, a game that's midweek uh, than I am a game that's on the weekend. Usually weekend I have things to do, midweek it's usually coming after work and uh, being able to uh, to watch a game. So there's all sorts of different things that look at this and and, and try to figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll point out the CBA currently requires, Kevin, that a minimum of 36 hours of rest um, is between each game. So it's not like they're going to be able to stack these right on top of each other. Um, there's still some requirements that are there, but it's interesting. I really think this gives the advantage to a higher seed. If you want to make the, the regular season mean something more, maybe this is it. Maybe, Kevin, MLS Cup becomes sort of like an FA Cup win too, which is it's a tournament, it's a tournament at the end of the season and MLS cup is great, but the supporter shield is better. I don't think that's ever going to happen in MLS, but it's, you can almost, you can almost start to make an argument about that.
2: Well, I made, I, I made the argument to uh, a MLS executive that I was talking to about this, this idea of upsets are going to be, you know, you know um, more likely because uh, you know, lower seated team could get a fluke bounce and win. They actually produced statistics showing me that under this one and done uh, scenario that there are fewer upsets, that the better team, the higher-seeded team wins on a much more regular basis. It was close. It was something like 50% or maybe 63%. So it wasn't like upsets are now out of the question, but said exactly the same thing that you, that you said, that if, if there's a one-and-done game at, ho- at the home of the higher-seeded team, they are more likely to win, and that upsets will actually be less frequent which
1: which uh, again it, it sort of flo- flows into the fact that if you're the highest higher seed then you get that advantage and that's an advantage you earn by by being better in the regular season. So all those things certainly can happen. I think the playoffs, listen, we I think everybody had a really t- really great time, Kevin, with watching those one and done games, those play-in games, those knockout round games are are extremely exciting to watch. If you can imagine a whole tournament that way, I don't hate it. I don't hate the idea. I would Eventually, maybe like to go to a two-legged final uh, for MLS Cup. I think that that might be a lot of fun. Um, just in terms of that, each team would then get a home game. Uh, that it's aggregate. That the higher seed gets to pick whether they go first or second. I mean, all those things are sort of could be a lot of fun in terms of how it goes. But I'll be honest, in 2019, if 14 of 24 teams make the playoffs, uh, I'm there for that single elimination all the way through the MLS Cup. It's going to happen quickly. It'll be it, it'll be condensed together, and uh, there won't be any international breaks ruining that momentum. So for me, I, I think it it has a potential to be good. Now, how it all plays out, I could end up really hating it um, because it's but, a, it's a big change.
2: No, it is. And, and what, the thing I don't like about it, I guess the thing I don't like most is more than half the team is making the playoffs. So you're going to play 34 game regular season to eliminate Colorado and, and Orlando, uh, basically, and a couple others, and then go to the playoffs where 34 games and all of a sudden are out the window and you play one game and you're one and done. So you play a 34 game regular season, essentially, to be with the majority who moves on, yeah. I mean, it, it's almost not uh, not all that significant that you make it to the playoffs. Now, if you're the number one seed, that's significant. But it's almost like it it loses its significance making it to the playoffs because everybody goes, and then your season can, can end in one game. Um, that seems a little harsh. Um, I wish they, they weren't expanding the playoff field. I, I, I kind of like the way it is now. I, you know, you have one or two teams, maybe three teams at the top that are clearly the, the, uh, the, the cream of the division. And then you have a couple of teams fighting for that sixth spot, and none of them necessarily good enough to be in the playoffs, but they're all fighting for that spot. Its very, uh, it's very exciting. I mean, if seventh, if the seventh place team had made it, I think we in both conferences, I believe, we would have teams with losing records that would have made the playoffs this year.
1: It, w- it would have been interesting. Um, for sure would have been interesting. I- I'll tell you this. If
2: you, if you have a losing record during the 34-game regular season, you, you should, have no you business should, yeah. being in the playoffs.
1: Well, and, and the adjustment comes in two forms, and one of the reasons they're adding the extra team is because they're actually losing the total number of playoff games, so there may be a contractual requirement that, uh, for television-wise, they have a certain number of TV games uh, in there, and that's why they're adding the team early, because I'm with you. I'm all for having 14 of 28 whenever there's 28 teams, but 14 to 24 seems like a lot, and it feels like a long way off until 14 to 26 in 2020. Um, and then we don't even know when 14 of 28 will actually happen. We don't know when 28 will come into the season right now or come into the league. And so having 28 teams and then 14 seems like it's a long way off. Well-
2: and here's another thing you should have corrected me because you know this stuff. Actually, the 7th place team in the Western Conference this year was the Galaxy. Yes. They did have a winning record, 13 and 12, but again, go back to how exciting that last game was. Yes, I know the Galaxy lost, but that was exciting. They had something to play for. If seven teams had made the playoffs, I think they would have they would have been in. So, uh you know, that last game would have lost a lot of its importance. It would have just been a playoff warm-up.
1: Yeah, but then it probably would have thrown the importance to the game before that, in which the Galaxy won and probably cemented their chance to get in the playoffs, and then they would have been playing for a higher seed as the six. Um so there's still stuff to play for. You're stop gonna, be, stop being logical. I will I will attempt to not be logical anymore. That's not my job on the show. We all
2: I can't you believe you didn't catch that the Galaxy was a seventh place team? I Man. was
1: gonna let somebody yell at you on Twitter and I'll be like, oh yeah, <laughs> they yell at me at Twitter yeah, anyway. I know, but it's more fun whenever that happens. I enjoy it. All right. um let's see, I think that does it. we're We're good, right? We don't have anything else we need to
2: talk about. That was a lot. This is an off season, man.
1: This is what happens during the off season: is that you get these like random game or random weeks where you have tons of stuff. Now, the next uh, the next calendar item, I think you had it, Kevin, was that half day trade window on December 9th, um, which is the day after the MLS Cup uh, final. So it'll be something to sort of pay attention to and, and see whether or not the Galaxy have all their ducks in a row. Pato says Ducks, um, all their yeah. Ducks in a row uh, to to you know be ready for that December 9th date, um, which then leads into, I think, December 11th, which is the MLS expansion draft where you have to protect 11 players. And the 11 players that you have to protect aren't are really even decided yet. Um, You still have to look at those contract uh, options and who you're going to eventually get, and you may end up protecting guys who are actually out of contract, which sort of baffles the mind sometimes, but you want to keep your rights to them and all sorts of fun things. So all that stuff has to be wrapped up now, um, you know, coming up rather quickly, and, and the Galaxy, I think, did and again kudos to them I think they did a good job on the options um, I think that's what they should have done um, there were no real surprises outside of felcher but if they're renegotiating his contract that makes sense to me in my mind so I'm a hundred percent on board with how they handled this first road bump uh, this first speed bump in this off-season uh, parking lot that they have so now it's a matter of, of whether or not they can put together something cohesive they have a little bit of time to finally get that GM and get that coach but uh, you know again clock is always ticking and it's not their friend and it will continue to not be their friend until they have a GM and until that GM hires a coach. So all those things still up in the air.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I don't think they have that much time, especially if the guy's coming from out of state or out of the country. I mean, shoot, even if he's coming from, uh orange county traffic can be hard it could be tough to get to the stub up center by december 9th it, you it never can, know it can
1: take forever all right it that's, can take a long time that's what we got all right hey uh, there's a
2: coach out there that has a helicopter that's what. <laughs>
1: and he lives in orange county what do yeah, you Yeah, know? there you go it's it's crazy Jurgen are klinsman definitely definitely come to the la galaxy you heard it here first or tab probably ramos. last
2: tab, tab ramos is my new dark horse
1: Ta- tab ramos is going to fc dallas so now now who do you have that's that's my um, that, that's my inclination, is that that's how that's going. Uh, you know I, what?
2: The best guy may be in the building. Um, I, I'm still a Dominic Kinnear fan. Hey. He made these guys winners when he had them. Yep. Why take a chance on somebody else? But uh, I know I'm going to lose that argument. You you will. We've had that argument many times. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see.
1: Anything else? You good? Yeah, that was a long show. I know. It was. It's okay. We got through it. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Follow him right there. And, of course, head on over to latimes.com where you can catch all of Kevin's wonderful writing. He has a a great soccer newsletter you need to be subscribed to as well, not only because it occasionally has our podcast on there, but uh, because it's some great content and some stuff you won't get anywhere else. So go subscribe for free to that soccer newsletter. You can do it. Uh, latimes.com, where you can find it. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Podcast. Head on over to corner of the for all of our podcast news articles, all of our analysis on the options that were declined, the options that were picked up, the out of contract players as well. It's right there on corner of the All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on corner of Have a great one, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on corner of thegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast, and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Rajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye everybody.